Well, happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there, uh, previous on Sunday, and welcome everybody to our Revive podcast. I'm Carrie, pastor of Connection and Discipleship here at Neighborhood Church. Thank you for joining us. Each week we create and curate resources to help people thrive in Christ, and it's all available again at neighborhoodchurch.com slash revive. Uh, I'm excited this week to invite uh, back to the podcast again, Sean Thomas. Pastor Sean, good to have you. Good to be here. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, representing our LoSal campus again. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. And I'm excited again to welcome back for, I, think, I believe, our second time, Jacob, our pastoral yep. intern. Hey, what's up, guys? Glad to be here. Yeah, Jacob, so good to have you, man. And because we record these online, it's good to have you hailing from Palm Springs. How's it going out there? It's good. It's hot, but I mean, we're <laughs> getting through, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> summertime, man. Staying indoors. Well, it's good to be together. Here we are. We're diving into God's Word again in Psalms, uh, Summer in the Psalms, and we are covering on Sunday, Psalm 97 on Father's Day. So got about 12 verses there. So if you are not currently, you know, riding a bicycle down a fast hill, reading this <laughs> podcast, um, go ahead and pause your podcast app or however you're listening to this and uh, go ahead and read Psalm 97. Get it straight from the source from Scripture, Psalm 97, verse 1 through 12, and then you can plus, press play again and dive into our conversation with us here. So one of the things we wanted to talk about was um, Sean was uh, helping us understand kind of some of the background of Psalm 97. Where is this coming from? How do we understand who wrote it? So Sean, why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of us, when we look at the Psalms, we think, okay, a lot of them are from David. Uh, Moses wrote uh, a number of them. and then, But there's some Psalms, interestingly enough, that are even later. Um, I think some are in, uh, attributed to the um, intertestimonial period as well. And so this one, um, it's interesting when I was, you know, kind of doing some research on this, um, it's referred to actually later on, um, because some Psalms will say, this is a Psalm of Moses, or this is a Psalm of David. Whereas this one, it was kind of later on, it was attributed to a Psalm of David, or like a Psalm attributed to the establishment of David's kingdom. And so there's some discussion with scholars, whether this was really written kind of way back at the foundation of, um, of the nation of Israel, or if it was written later on, potentially after the return of the exile. So, you know, many hundreds of years later, um, <clears throat> but still referencing that, hey, this, um, the Davidic kingdom, God's covenant is intact and still existing on today. So there's, yeah, some, and it's not super controversial, but just some discussion on when does this exactly take place. But I think it's interesting if you read it, and it was funny on Sunday, you know, I was telling our, um, over in Los Al, our congregations, whenever we, and, and I learned this, you know, uh, in college, you know, whenever you're looking at something from the Old Testament, it's helpful to put on, you know, your Hebrew cap <laughs> or your ancient Near East cap, you yeah. know, and look at, or glasses or whatever you want to or, say. Or yarmulke. Right. Or y- oh, yeah, that would be right. much more appropriate, your yarmulke, and look at it <laughs> with those kind of eyes, because I think you can pull out some interesting things in that, if you do that. Right. Sean, when you're kind of talking about like the Davidic kingdom, like what mm-hmm. what's kind of significant about that? Can you explain a little bit more about like that? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I think like we're we're talking about, you know, if we're looking at the Davidic kingdom where, you know, the Jews um, 
you know, just kind of briefly going through, they went through the exile, you know, they were looking for a place, this promised land. Finally, they got there. They had, you know, a series of judges. They, they were this nation occupying the land, but um, they, they, they weren't um, cohesive in the sense of other uh, uh, people groups that they saw right. around them who had kings, right? And right. so obviously, I think a lot of us know the story is the Jewish people wanted a king. So God, you know, after Saul and everything like that, finally, here's right. the Davidic king. Here's the person who's dropping in. And this is great. And so if we look at this um, Psalm in the context of, okay, this is early on into the Davidic reign of literally the person David is installed. And the Jews of that time, they're saying, we've arrived. We're, um, we're a nation um, just like other nations that are surrounding us in the world as they knew it, but also we're the people of God. We're fulfilling this covenant and being an example to the people around us. And if that's the case, I think it's really interesting that the psalm actually kicks off, and we were talking about this before, the Lord reigns. And, and the, mm-hmm. the, the words that are used with reign in the Hebrew um, and it's funny because I took Greek. I didn't take Hebrew. So I looked Same. At, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, there's a little disconnect, but there's still this sense of, um, do you guys know, you remember that Christmas song, um, Joy to the World, The Lord is Come? Yeah, literally. You know how, King. Yeah, yeah. But how awkward that the Lord is come, right? That's kind of awkward English. Mm. Well, mm. Some of the translators were saying that this phrase, the Lord reigns, is kind of along those lines because it's almost like saying the Lord is reign in terms of like there's an establishment, there's a sense of a beginning to the reign of God. And so maybe that's in the Davidic sense of like, hey, here's here's the nation form, like forming and established physically um uh, 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 like a, a kingdom, a location, yet God has always reigned. So there's this sense in the, in the verbiage that it's an establishment, but yet a continuum of, so it's almost like the Lord is reign <laughs> or something like that. Nice. And then the very next line is let the earth rejoice. And as we know, it's so fascinating that, you know, like, again, when we have our, our, our <laughs> Jewish glasses or yarmulke or whatever, Old Testament, um, so many of the Psalms that we read, you know, the Jewish people rightfully so are crying out to God, God help us. We are oppressed by all these people, the crazy Canaanites, the Hittites, all these people, we came from Egypt. We know what oppression is. And there's this sense of very cultural, um, identifiable markers of us as an insular people group are crying out to God or, or worshiping God, whatever the context right, right, might yeah. be. Um, so it's much more personal. And yet this Psalm starts out. God is reigning, right? He's, he's mm. the creator. And that kind of follows through in the rest of the passage of, of God, you know, making these, this world and, and having authority. And yet all the earth is called to rejoice and many mm. coastlands ought to be glad. Mm. And, and the idea of many coastlands is, is not like the coast of Israel, <laughs> you know, like the Mediterranean right. coast. It's like, across the Mediterranean, you know, whatever that place, Spain might, Tarsus, you know, might be, you know, or whatever's beyond there, you know, who knows, you know, and so there's this idea, and and again, like, I I think that kind of goes back to, if this was written by David or, 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 or by kind of um, that era of, of people in that um, early Davidic um, era, you know, they're, they're kind of, acknowledging the fact that okay we're established we're here 
this is part of the covenant that God gave to Abraham. You know, sure. through your seed, mm. many people will be blessed. You know, your your people will outnumber the stars, right? Okay, we're here, we're settled, and now we can start going with this covenant where all peoples can rejoice and get to know God. So we're here, you know, and that's right. super nice. exciting to think about that. That's they have the scope, this God scope, you know. Right. Um, that's, that's kind pretty of pretty cool. Yeah, that like there's the uh, sorry, there's like uh, the Lord is reigning. There's like a, a universality in what I'm hearing is that mm. like in the spirit of like the Davidic kingdom, like you're right, the Davidic kingdom was like the first stable kingdom that all the Jews would look back to for the rest of history, saying, "Man, that's when we had it. That's when we exactly. were it, we were really in our game. Things were going great." Yeah. Like, I feel like if every Jewish boy collected baseball cards, like he would have like the King David, <laughs> David like, the big yeah. one, you know, like it's almost like, you know, King David is like the George Washington or the Abraham yeah. Lincoln of oh, Israel, totally. you know, like, oh man, that was the, the best. So yeah, if, if God reigns in this kind of the spirit of the Davidic kingdom, that's kind of a, yeah. a traveling universal awesomeness. Um, pretty cool what, to see like how it's attached there. Yeah. What about like the post-exilic origins? Like what, what would that kind of look like if that was kind of more the original scope of it and it wasn't so much the Davidic kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of carries uh, the sense of even what Carrie alluded to. It's like looking back at kind of like the heyday because for obviously, you know, post-exile and I think a lot of us know, but you know, for those of us who don't, you know, like, after, you know, like so many kings and, 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 um, and many, many years, you know, in the Jewish nation, the Jewish people were rebelling and just mm. um, really turning away from God and embracing other idols. And that's kind of an interesting clue. Um, I mean, there's, there's always that sense of worship of other idols. But if you look at like the books of Kings and Chronicles, that was kind of like, uh, like, you see it happening so many times and God is just like, give up your idols. What are you doing? And, and that's in this passage in Psalm 97 that, that that's called out to give up your idols. They're worthless. And so when, um, <clears throat> so the, the Jewish kingdoms, they were um, exiled, but then they were able to return and reestablish the same kingdom, you know, many, many, many years later. Um, it, and so if that was the case, if it was post-exilic, then that is the Jews then were hearkening to remember our heyday with David. Mm -hmm. Well, this is still happening now in our day, this is coming back and post exile books of Ezra and Nehemiah. There's, there's really a sense of like, it's really a beautiful scene when, when they have, you know, this, this days of worship reestablishing the temple and everything like that. And it's almost like, God, we learned our lesson idols are worthless you are the judge and and we've seen other people groups come and go um mm. and 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 we're still here so let all the earth um rejoice like we're we got it now we've learned our lesson let us now fulfill what was happening in our heyday yeah and a very good universal lesson in general because right what is it who said that quote that our idol our, our hearts are an idol making factory 
I want to say that like that's like Charles Spurgeon or someone cool, but I'm I've not exactly that. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Maybe yeah, Carrie Kaufman. Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I can take credit for something so cool as that, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like such a good universal message that, like, again, rooted in a historic moment that that, mm. that God's people needed to hear it in that time, and how good that God's word is still universal enough where it applies to us today. Yeah. So cool. Uh, you know, it's interesting that we had this passage, Psalm 97, preached uh, on Sunday, Father's Day, specifically. Um, so it's interesting to think about how, you know, as we're thinking about dads and as we're thinking about God, um, some of the similarities that we saw kind of snapping across uh, and connecting there. Sean, do you want to speak a little bit to that as well? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, kind of some fun kind of uh, parallels that I was drawing. I know when I was a little boy, um, you know, like my father uh, was, you know, so much bigger than me, you know, and, and he had, um, but he loved, excuse me, Bob, you can cut out. It's getting choked up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, man, <laughs> I feel Bob's, love. Father's Day just gets me all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's when, when you're a little kid, you know, your father has this sense of, of sweetness he knows you um he plays with you but also this sense of authority like you don't know him that well like you're not his buddy you're not your dad's equal um and and when you get in trouble uh oh i'm scared of what dad's gonna do or say you know wait till your father gets home (laughs) right yes yeah (laughs) heard that one too many times (laughs) yeah yeah i just feel like there's these passages that really exemplify that you know verse two says like clouds and thick darkness surround him you know and that's again very old testament you know we see that exodus you know a number of places in the old testament but there is a sense of that you don't again you as a little child you're not your dad's equal you're not his peer but but he loves you and he plays with you he has this interaction and yet you know he has a sense of authority as we see later on in this passage that it's like wow his way goes i best obey him but also you rejoice at your dad you know i remember as a kid mm. and i don't know about jacob with you and and you have this beautiful testimony that you shared, but Thank it's you. like when, when your dad comes home, it's like, you can't wait for dad. There's something yeah. fun about anticipating dad coming home from work, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. My, my dad would work. Um, he would work at school and typically like get home in the evenings after he was done, finished up in his classroom classroom. And those were the best moments. I mean, I remember just as a kid, like my friends would come over and my dad would always like want to run around and play games outside. We created this like hide and seek game around our neighborhood <laughs> where we'd play hide and seek tag. And as we got faster and my dad got older, we gave him a Nerf football. So he would have these Nerf footballs. And I just have <laughs> so many great memories just kind of running around with my dad, just kind of coming coming to find us with these nerf footballs and he's really really accurate so we know yeah exactly but kind of to just speak on fatherhood and um one of the things that um i think always really resonated for me just being adopted was how my dad always like I knew from the moment that I entered their family, which is something I said on Sunday, like he always took me in as his own. And I think mm-hmm. that that for me was a great representation of what Christ does for us and how mm-hmm. he gives us a new last name, how he 
close us in like his power, his strength and like who he is. And so for me, like that looks like kind of what I was saying of like, I'm a Nebraska football fan. I would not be if it wasn't for my dad. And it's uh, like yeah. one of the one of the verses um, in Psalms, in Psalm 68, verses four to six, it says, sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, Ex- exult before him. And this part really, um, really just speaks a lot to me is he's the father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And Amen. so that to me just kind of shows the heart of God of really like being this, this father to the fatherless and how he mm. cares so much for, for his people. And um, I think like one of the hopes we have is like one of the things too, that I, I mentioned on Sunday was that um, dads as fathers, sometimes they have, they can get angry, but, the like our how we know that our fathers love us is through the compassion that they show in that and how yeah. it's like and i think that um <laughs> psalm 90 11 is another verse that kind of in the section that we're talking about that says if only we knew the power of your anger the wrath is as great as the fear that is your due and i think that hmm. that kind of shows that god like that our father is such a good and loving and compassionate father on us but one of the hopes Mm. we have is that one day kind of like with my dad like justice will be like done and that like Mm. my dad like what he did like for me and he would always like if something went wrong in school or if whatnot i knew my dad always would have my back and if i needed help he would always kind of stand in that gap and so those verses kind of show that like our our father in heaven like stands and one of the things is that like he stands against injustice and so yeah 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 it's funny that like you know whenever we hear like oh gosh god's wrath or or just he's he's justice bringing justice we always think oh man gosh like right uh, god's supposed to be all loving i don't want that yeah. that wrath god but we but then we realize we need god to bring justice mm. when we're yeah. the ones oppressed right um and here's israel like you mentioned sean earlier they had lived through 400 years of slavery in egypt like they knew what it was like to be oppressed and God did come and redeem them, rescue them, bring justice to the oppressors that had held them in that spot. So um, yeah, it's cool that God, at least in in the healthy ways that we see God as a father, that he is just and powerful. He commands Mm. respect and he is loving and kind and reaches out to rescue us at the same time. And it's cool that God is so big that he can fill both those roles perfectly. Um, Gosh, like so many of us, uh, and I know a lot of us listening to the podcast today may reflect and say like, well, I don't know if like my father stands up to that kind of, you know, my earthly father sounds like that. Like, you know, there are times where he didn't command my respect. There are times where I felt like he was yeah, too true. authoritarian right. uh, or times where, you know, I didn't feel his love. And I, I think Sean, you had spoken to that a little bit earlier when we were chatting before the podcast that there's kind of a one, the brokenness of some of our own earthly fathers, but also just yeah. the, the portrayal of dads in our culture can sometimes make it difficult to understand God as a father. And what did you mean by that? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, and I, and I think that's well said, Carrie, of, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we have to keep that tension of our own expectations, 
um, of what a father ought to be, obviously perfectly modeled by God the Father, and yet also um, the reality of sin in the world. You know, and that's one of the things that we talked about at Los Alamitos, like sin alienates us from God, but it also alienates us from each other, you know, and, and you mm. know, I think you know, I think throughout history, you can see where, where dads or even just men in general have, to, have acted irresponsibly or done, or done crazy things, right? But it seems like, especially in the last, I don't know, 100 years or so, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of things that you could look at, a lot of reasons you could speculate at, but, you know, it seems like the role of the father um, has struggled in, in, especially in Western society. And it's funny because, you know, I'm, I've, I watched TV growing up. I'm a fan of pop culture, you know, and, and, and it's been said before that, you know, you can see um, on television, especially sitcoms, father figures, you know, or like families that are portrayed typically, and especially as we've progressed, you know, in, in the past years, you know, you see these characters on sitcoms, the father's I call it the buffoonification of, of the role of father, you know, because you see like, um, you know, these characters being very foolish, self-centered, um, oafish, you know, just doing bad things and neglectful of their kids. And, and so often when I feel like I watch, you know, TV shows, whether it's like, if it's modern family, I, I watched the Simpsons a lot growing up or, or family guy or something like that. You know, these are obviously unwholesome shows, but they depict a father character as, um, the one who is either wrong or doing something irresponsible. And then they have to learn a lesson and then, um, they kind of come around at the end, you know? And, yeah. and so we see these fathers. And I think part of that's an interesting um, uh, subversion in terms of like, I think the creators of those shows would say like, well, how interesting we take the father figure, one who ought to be respected and use him as the vehicle to tell a story. Yeah, that's interesting. But I, but I then think everyone's it, doing it. <laughs> it, it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like that's the model now. And it's, mm. and it's like, I think that there's a subtle subversion, you know, there's something deeper going on that says like, we just don't respect fathers anymore in our society. And, and it's, mm it's it's now it's a part of um the fabric of our society where i think you get a lot of you know there's a lot of um movements happening now in our culture that that is negating the role of father is devaluing the role of the father or just erasing it you know and and so father unfortunately i think for some people has become meaningless you know like that word doesn't really mean anything anymore um in any part of the sense and i think it's helpful for us, you know, especially as believers, you know, to point to like, wow, yeah, fathers ought to be respected. And Jacob, it's amazing hearing your story of like, look at what my father, like you said, your father stands in the gap for you. And that's, right. that's Christ-like. I mean, it's self-sacrificial. It's, um, it really is modeling what, what we ought to be for each other, you know, and how, how beautiful when it's in this God-ordained role of father. Right. Yeah, man. It, it, as you as you see examples like that, and yeah, so cool, Jacob, to hear a piece of your story with that. Like, I think let's cling to those stories. Let's cling right. to the stories of the healthy dads that were 
were that tried their best and and did a, a fairly good job and, and helped us instead of you know the doofuses that we read on <laughs> that we see on tv you know like totally. they make us laugh but then we're like nah, yeah. i don't think any of us actually want to live in a family like that you know totally yeah um, yeah it's fun yeah. to laugh and to make fun right. yeah, i mean that's like that's no yeah. problem with comedy but but you're right carrie it's like let's let's not aspire to that <laughs> right <laughs> don't so so i think like yeah let's cling to the good stories and cling to the healthy examples today and cling to scripture cling to how god is described as father right mm-hmm. so when when we see fatherhood language used of god we need to make sure that we think of what did that mean for the original audience of scripture saying that mm-hmm. and and how is he described as his father um, be it bringing justice, being kind, rescuing, long-suffering, mm. um, kind, and not, oh, is God being portrayed as one of the fathers that I'm watching on every Friday night? Um, mm. So I think that's a good, you know, just caveat as we think about God as a father. Um, and Carrie, you were kind of sharing a little bit about your story with fatherhood and something that I didn't know until you kind of yeah. shared that. Would you like to share a little bit about like how adoptions kind of played a role in like your family and in your life yeah man it's been a wild ride uh like uh my wife uh wanted to adopt from the very beginning Mm. and that was kind of like a prerequisite to us dating (laughs) so i'm like that's kind of awesome yeah (laughs) how how did you feel about that (laughs) i was like okay you know adoption's (laughs) pretty cool like (laughs) i had never really like so like can we go dance or go to disneyland (laughs) yeah 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 i'm like can we just like go out to eat and have a good time like i'll I'll get there when i get there you know yeah um like, uh, but, you know, as long as, as we kept, you know, growing together and then ended up, uh, you know, being engaged and married and everything yeah, that wow. just kept coming up and kept being a part of our story. Mm-hmm. And the more uh, we read, <laughs> the more, that's funny. Uh, we read a book by Russell Moore, who's a Christian thought leader, great guy. Um, uh, and he adopted two boys from Russia, international adoption, private. And so um, his story in that book was really powerful. Emily's old church that she went to, my wife, before we uh, got married, was full of adoptive kids from all wow. over the world, just running around playing in church together from all these different background stories. Beautiful. It was, just a, it, was, it was. It was such a beautiful thing. All these different kids, different backgrounds, different faces, different um, ethnicities, and just playing together in God's big family representative um, of what heaven's going to look like for sure yes amen yeah. Yeah. and so that kind of inspiration just called us to say like hey let's let's give this a try and adopt so we, we've adopted two boys so far wow. um, we did the embryo adoption uh option which we weren't even aware existed about a year or two before we did it so mm. um if any if any of our listeners have you know questions about that i'd love to fill you in more there's great resources out there you can also check out uh, nightlight christian adoptions mm. have a whole program that helps um help facilitate uh traditional adoptions whether foster to adopt or private or um, international adoptions but they also do specialize in uh, snowflake adoptions of embryos and they've got some cool resources there too so wow that's awesome yeah man it's uh it's been a really and just again thinking about god as a father it's really been interesting to read passages in scripture where like uh, i was looking up galatians 4 uh the other day and it just made it it came to mind where uh god says that 
Uh, he sent his son, Jesus, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Mm-hmm. And because you are now sons, God sent the spirit into of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. So we can look at God as this perfect father figure, this, this loving parent that has, because we've been adopted into his family. And boy, that's been an amazing reality to think about and wrestle with now as a guy who's adopted sons into my family yeah. and think, wow, that's helped me just look at this reality about of God in a new way. Right. That's so cool. Crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. <laughs> love. Yeah, I love your sons and see them as like God, God does is something that is so cool. And as kind of on the other end of that, like spectrum of being the one who is adopted just makes me like mm. respect and love my my parents so much as much like confusion and hurt and just different emotions have come up through it just the amount of like respect one for like my birth mom for not having an abortion because that's yeah. in pretty easy op like easy option totally. now and like yeah. and being able yeah. to go through that and like feeling that like love and fatherhood of my dad like really helped me be able to more conceptualize what it means to like be adopted by God. And that's something that like, I encourage everyone, like you don't have to like be adopted in our earthly life to like participate in what that like feels like and the emotion Mm. that that should like bring out of you. Because the fact that like God like chooses to adopt you into his family, like all you have to do is just believe in him is like, the most to me that's like the most incredible incredible thing because it just like we all get to part like participate and partake in that that big family together which is just like amazing so mm, i love it man this it wouldn't be a revive podcast episode <laughs> if we didn't at one point say man we could take this one topic and talk about it for hours for <laughs> episodes, you know? like right. we just always end up saying that but i you know i'm feeling it again i'm like oh it'd be so cool just to sit down and talk about adoption and how it relates to god yeah. Like, yeah. for like an hour together but Another time, another time, but it's been super good. You guys, this has really flown by. Thanks again so much, Jacob, for, for jumping on and, and buying Thanks a super awesome headset and mic that I'm sure you <laughs> bought for our podcast and not for gaming. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you've got the best audio input, I'm sure here. Sean, great to have you again, just waiting yeah, in scripture and great to hear your inputs man and thank you guys all out there in podcast land for listening (laughs) to this episode if uh you found it helpful we'd encourage you to share it with a friend and shout out also to bob our awesome audio tech heck yeah bob thank you love it yeah man if if you're a listener we would encourage you keep subscribing to this channel to this podcast and to continue reviving your soul um and if you'd love to check out jacob's testimony that he shared on sunday um his his full testimony that he got to share uh, about his dad and adoption and stuff man i do encourage you check out neighborhood church of cyprus on YouTube. You can also check out Neighborhood Church of Los Alamitos YouTube channel as well for further resources. Find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. If you have questions, write me at Kerry, K-E-R-Y at neighborhoodchurch.com. We hope you can join us next time. And until then, we pray that God revives your soul.